by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Welcome back to N17 Women, the only podcast exclusively covering Tottenham Hotspur women. This is Caroline, and I'll be hosting another very happy victory episode after Spurs notched their third WSL win of the season. I'm here with the whole pod squad this week. We've got Abby, Rachel, and Sean. How are y'all doing and how much do you already miss Spurs women at the start of this international break? I'm already missing them. And I feel like the world is in such a shitty place at the moment that we need the joy that Spurs women bring. So, yeah, it's it feels like a long two weeks. Yeah, we've, we've had some uh, interesting news this week. Well, today, though, about the uh, Manchester City fixture and things. So um, I'm feeling like the admin side of of. Spurs women is still in existence and not quite where I'd like it to be, really. So, um, yeah, not felt like without the football, just without the joy of watching the players. But yeah, um, looking forward to getting back to it. And a couple of home games coming up, so that'll make life easier. Yeah, it was such a nice treat to come back from my vacation and like just have all this joy around the fan base suddenly. It really brightened my week during a time when I could have definitely used that so I I will be I will be missing the squad of course along with like all the usual anxieties around international break and like hoping we don't get any serious international duty injuries but it's kind of a new feeling though so interesting yeah I guess we have to worry about Grace Clinton getting hurt on international duty now so that's unfortunate but yeah I agree I'm gonna miss them hugely during this break But today we are going to discuss that recent away win against Aston Villa, recap some storylines across the league, and then look ahead to the next game against Everton after the international break. Then we're going to switch things up from our usual listener question segment, so stay tuned for that. But first, the Aston Villa game, which Spurs won four goals to two. Let's talk about the starting lineup. It was nearly the same as the unchanged lineup that we had seen in the first three WSL matches with just one exception, as Jessica Naz replaced Drew Spence. Robert Villaham set the team up in his usual 4-2-3-1 formation with Becky Spencer in goal, a back four of Ashley Neville, Molly Bartrip, Luana Buller, and Angrad James, and the finished double pivot of Olga Atanen and Evelina Suminen. Grace Clinton moved into the playmaker role as Jess Naz took over her left winger spot, and of course, Celine Bizet on the right and Martha Thomas as striker. So we had talked last episode about Jess possibly making a push for that starting role. So how glad were y'all to see her get her first league start of the season? Yeah, I think it was what we were all hoping for. Um, uh, Great to see. And and very early on, we saw that uh, what we expected to happen was Ash was getting much more forward down the wing. Uh, it's, It's an Aston Villa game, so... Being a Midlands girl and a, and a West Brom fan, she does like a game against Aston Villa. But um, anyway, we got to see her progressing more forward and doing that. Uh, and yeah, I think I think Jess earned that start, and it proved to be to do what we said it was going to do. Really, yeah, I was really happy to see her get that start. In some ways, it maybe doesn't matter because she's been playing quite long substitute roles, and in the end, she played forty-five minutes as a starter. 
but there is something symbolic about it, which is an expression of the trust that Villaham has in her. And I was really happy to see that. And he'd said stuff around that in his press conference when he talked about first coming to the club and people telling him that Jess had this exceptional talent, but she just couldn't play a 90. And so that he's been working on her conditioning and sort of seeing her as somebody that he wanted to build up. And so everything he said about her has just been very positive. And yeah, so I think it was really good to see her starting. Yeah, and echoing everything you guys said, but also I think it is a great example for the rest of the team that like when you have a plan set out for you and a way to build up, like you do have that opportunity to prove yourself and like you will get your chance. Um, Because, you know, one thing about starting with the same squad all the time that makes me a little nervous is that sort of like A team, B team situation. So I thought it was really nice to see a clear pattern of movement there in a meta sense. I also think moving on to to when you know saying she only played 45 minutes I also think actually Drew was a bit reinvigorated by not starting and I think actually she played better when she did come on than she had done in the previous game yeah that's exactly what I was thinking Drew essentially had no summer break because of the World Cup and then Jamaica having their Olympic qualification game so I think she really could have used that rest and it was good to see her come out a little more invigorated like you said in the second half But let's start with talking about the first half. I think that, you know, it's been an overwhelmingly positive start to the season so far. The one downside is that the team has picked up a bad habit of conceding first, doing so in three out of the five games across all competitions. This time it was a penalty in the fifth minute given up by Evelina as she clumsily stuck a foot out on Adriana Leon. This was the second penalty that she has given up this season, the first one being that kind of unfortunate handball in the Bristol City game. Uh, And Rachel Daly sent Becky the wrong way to convert the penalty for her second goal of the season. So any thoughts on the penalty and Evelina's defense in general? So I realized that watching it live, it was just one of those ones where it was a clear cut penalty and you could see that there was the ball was bobbling around and I wasn't sure what's going on. So I went back and watched it. And I guess my thoughts are that there was quite a few different things going wrong in terms of what was happening. And, you know, the first thing it's like shout out to Stanifov who did a really, who got recovered the ball in midfield and made a really nice pass over to Adriana Leon, who then, um, you know, Ash pressed her, but wasn't able to, and in the ball sort of, sort of looped over the both of them. And so at that point you had, Evelina was contesting it with Blinkindle Brown. And what happened at that point is that Ash no longer f- tracked Leon and Leon came round the other side. And at the same time, Grace wasn't dropping back to track Blinkindle Brown. And so Evelina had was thought she was competing with Blinkindle Brown, but actually had Evelina coming round the other side. And so she was sort of trapped by two players and stuck a foot out, you know, which was a stupid thing to do on the edge of the penalty area. But it was also, you saw these two other players, Grace Clinton and Ash were kind of strolling back and it felt a bit like the first five minutes and people were not right in their right space of like fully, you know, running down everything. And I think that is something that's going on at the moment with that early, our early game. Well, thankfully, Another trend this season has been the team keeping a strong mentality despite those early setbacks, and they were able to equalize in the 33rd minute. Martha Thomas was relentless with her pressing in the whole match, 
and it paid dividends when Rachel Corsi badly underhit a back pass to the villa keeper, Daphne Von Domselaar. Martha intercepted the ball and definitely chipped the ball over Van Domselaar from well outside the box. Let's just save our thoughts on Martha for now because her name is going to come up again and again. But we were able to take the lead just before halftime, thanks to two of the longest tenured players in the squad. In the fifth minute of stoppage time, Evelina sent a long ball out to Jess, who had popped up on the right wing this time. She had a lot of space and time to think about where she wanted to send the ball, and her cross found Ash on the far side of the goal for a header. Ash ran onto the ball and got some great speed on her header, giving Van Domsler basically no chance to save it. This was Ash's first goal of the season, and she celebrated with her signature knee slide. How did y'all feel going into halftime with the lead, and I would say a lot of momentum on our side as well? Yeah, second game in a row where we got the goal right at that important time, this time to take center the lead previously to um, level things up. Uh, great for Ash to, to score right there in front of her family, um, her, her parents and, and things, as well as uh, her wife and kids. So it was great to see them able to celebrate that um, right behind the goal there. But yeah, perfect time to score. Great to see Ash getting up there and scoring. And what we said would happen if... Um, if she had the opportunity to play along the wing with somebody other than Grace, with that she'd get forward and she would do what we know. And that's so it's great to see her having that opportunity and taking it at exactly the right moment. And hopefully that just builds on her confidence moving forward. And Jess, yeah, um, changing it up a bit, coming down the other wing. Um, and again, great to see the two of them uh, working so well together, which is not an unusual thing when they're on the pitch together. Yeah, it was actually the first thing I saw when I woke up interesting for me waking up at 6 30 in the morning I'll tell you that um but I did I opened Twitter and I saw a clip of 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 that goal and it made me really emotional because those are two players who have been with us for for a long time and are kind of as we've talked about you know starting to hit new levels but I just thought it was such a it was perfect timing and a wonderfully confident move and like yeah, in that moment, like, I didn't really know what was going to happen for the rest of the game, not having really watched the first half yet, but I was really excited to turn it on and tune in. Yeah, I think it was it was really great as well to see Jess having such a key part in that because she had, you know, we were happy that she started, but quite honestly, she started a little bit slowly. The first 10 minutes or so, she felt a bit off the pace. She was you know, making slightly poor choices. And then all of a sudden she just seemed to have loads of space and she was getting forward and she had two chances with shots that were, you know, decent chances, but they were also chances that she'd produced for herself. So this was great. And what was also noticeable is that Robert Villaham was just shouting, you know, at the players to keep going, keep going, you know, and to, you know, and this is the fifth minute of injury time of the first half. And he is absolutely pushing for them to keep attacking, not just keep the ball or play defensively. And so we saw Jess getting it into the corner and then crossing and obviously Ash with a really great header across the goal and all the emotions that everybody said. And it's also one of the things is that Villa are proving themselves really weak during injury times. They have conceded a lot of goals, most of them in the injury time of second halves, but they aren't a team that is able to sustain its, you know, what it's doing for the entire game. And certainly you know, in a way they underperformed because there were lots of chances. Ebony Salen was, you know, definitely creating opportunities down the left wing. And we were seeing, you know, um, Blinkenzell, um, Brown was 
getting forward at various times and doing things that are creative. Uh, so, you know, in a way, Spurs scoring wasn't at that point, we weren't dominant. And so it was really important and it was, and it did absolutely change the game. Yeah. I did feel like, I think the whole team kind of started a bit slowly and, you know, this was the home game for Aston Villa. So you would expect them to try to take the game to us from the start, but I don't think they have the same level of conditioning that it looks like we do right now. So even by, you know, towards the end of this first half, it looked like we were starting to gain the edge and, you know, our, our press wasn't slowing down, but heading into the second half, the only change that we had at halftime was Drew Spence coming in for Jess and it took a little while to extend the one goal lead from the first half. But in the 64th minute, the ball ping ponged around the 18 yard box coming off of Luana's head twice. Drew's foot in between took a slight touch from Ash towards Grace, who finally cut it back to Martha for a clinical finish. We got another knee slide Sully, so that was great. And then Martha completed her hat trick in the 72nd minute after receiving a lovely through ball from Olga, making a quick touch to put the ball in front of her and Corsi both so that she could protect it. And then shooting from just outside the box, it was another chipped finish over Van Domslar. So let me hear all the praise for Martha now. kind of feel like she's been listening to Rachel last week where uh, Rachel was saying about her being, you know, one of those scoring all the goals and not actually the shots being great. And gradually as the game went on, she was proving Rachel wrong that she could shoot because, you know, the goals got gradually better from the point of view of uh, of a shot. And uh, I I think she's just proving to be, uh, you know, that she's got everything in in her box at the moment. And it's really great to see. And, um, you know, she's been talking about how much she's enjoying being at Spurs and, she's been part of that conversation that seems to be really great around the team and how happy they all are and how well they're all working with Robert. So there's just so much great stuff and she can, you know, she's putting that pressure on, she's deliberately putting pressure on and we've seen several goals from that, um, which, uh, you know, is Rachel Williams-esque in one sense, but also better than Rachel Williams in another sense. And, uh, and waiting for defenders to make mistakes, just putting the pressure on them, but also then now scoring great, um, great balls from outside from further away with with balls coming through and not being challenged so just yeah a little bit of everything from her and it's great to see and it's you know it's nice to see these players coming in and all just fitting in and enjoying enjoying their football yeah I think there are two things that stand out to me about Martha and her play and one of them is her movement and positioning which is one of those things where it's like you know, if she's not scoring, it's one of those things you maybe don't notice so much unless you're like a scout trying to scout her. Um, but you really notice it when she's scoring goals, like like the way she's been scoring since she joined Spurs. And it's just, she is so often in the right place to capitalize on these things. Uh, it's just a ton of work. The other thing is just the way she's been, she, she's been acting so quickly like she only needs one or two touches and she's been getting them right. Like so often for us, like just scoring those one touch smashes into the back of the net or like, I think her third goal really like the first one a little bit as well, but, but you know, the third one was even faster. So let's talk about that one instead. She struck so quickly in the split second before anyone had realized like that they were going to need to react. And if you watch it back, you definitely should because she barely moved her foot, which means she must have struck that ball so perfectly to generate that amount of power. It was just like 
it was ruthless. I, I said this on Twitter and I, I said it again, I think in my match report and I'll say it again now, just so, so ruthless, so quick, so, so full of confidence. Yeah, I think I agree. She's she has been proving that she can score the goals when she goes one on one as well as those like, you know, the crazy ones that she makes for herself. But I also I love the fact that she does produce those ones. And like Abby said, it's not and Sean as well, like it's not coming from nothing. She's not it's not the goalkeepers and defenders just accidentally keep making mistakes around her. She is pressuring them and she says she likes defending from the front and she is doing that. And when she got you know when she stole the ball off Rachel Corsi she switched all sides so she's like she was pressing on one side then she came to press on the other side and you know it just means that defenders feel constantly under pressure and making stupid mistakes and she can capitalize them and I like that you know we want players who create mistakes um because that is you know is a great way to get goals and and also in just in terms of her final one, what's interesting is that in the first half, she was called offside a couple of times. And again, you see that thing of settling into the, you know, just feeling out the defense and getting set with them. And again, making them feel more uncomfortable so that they're defending slightly deeper and just all of these other things that she over the course of the game does when she's feeling confident and she's putting that pressure on so that then she's able to receive Olga's ball in just the perfect position to do what Abby perfectly described. Yeah, that's a good shout from all of y'all that her positioning has really been her strength. And I feel a bit bad because, I mean, for one thing, I really underestimated her when we made this signing, but also I've, I've been kind of thinking of her goals as very opportunistic. And I don't think that is the whole story. You know, she's she is creating these goals by being in the right place at the right time. But... I also think it's interesting that in her, you know, kind of post-game interviews, she was, you know, not so subtly alluding to her former manager and her former team and her experience that she had at United. And I think she's really just getting a lot of energy and motivation from actually being played in her preferred position, you know, having the trust of a manager. So those are all just really lovely things to see from her. Our friend Rosa from Hometown Glory asked us to talk about the elephant in the room, which is how do we fit Martha and Beth into the starting 11 when Beth returns from her injury? Who drops out of the lineup to enable a two-striker partnership, or do y'all think it's going to look like something else? I guess the first question is, when is Beth going to return? And it's not very clear from some of the training videos that she's that close. And so not that I don't want her to return but it may not be a problem that we have to tackle full-on for quite a while especially if on her return she's on limited minutes for a little while so I kind of feel I want to just sidestep the question but maybe that's cheating um and then it's really going to depend a lot on who else is fit at that point because we know that as the season goes on that's going to be something that's critical so have we got players at 10 who are fit? Have we got wide players who are fit and are on form? And that's going to make a lot of difference in terms of whether you play two up front, whether you use one of them as a 10, whether you put one of them wide, you know, whether you substitute them in for each other just to create different problems at different points in the game. So I feel like it's one of those problems that I'm going to be really happy when we have. And I trust Robert Willeham to resolve 
but he's going to need more information. Yeah, absolutely. I think Beth's only just running in the swimming pool at the moment. I don't think she's actually running on land in the free world as it is yet, looking at training videos and she's doing some gym work, but so not out on the pitch yet. So I think it is a while off yet, sadly, that that's going to be a problem. Um, and as Rachel says, there's a lot of other ifs, buts and maybes to come before that becomes a problem. So um, we can we can go on a little bit more information before we can answer that question, I think. Yeah, I'm kind of feeling the same way. And I think like, I want to say, you know, Beth have played in a strike partnership with Sam Kerr, for instance. And, you know, maybe there's something in that. But I don't know, I feel like I want to do a little more digging before I nail my hat to that. And like, yeah, I just really kind of want to bubble wrap Martha Thomas in the meantime until Beth gets back because I don't know. I love her. I love both of them. Yeah, it's going to be a, a tough decision, but one that I don't think Robert's going to have to make for quite some time now. Uh, I do want to circle back to the fact that after that halftime substitution, we were back to our usual starting 11 with Drew in the 10 and Grace back out on the left wing. So is this the lineup that y'all prefer to see from the start? Or do you like having that swap of Grace for Drew at the 10? I mean, I think it's good to have that ability to mix it up. You don't want to always be coming out exactly the same. I don't think in terms of um, opposition knowing exactly how you're going to be coming at them. So I think it's useful to have the option and to play it where, I mean, it's not a huge amount of flex. So it's people still knowing exactly how they're playing. As I say, I think Drew played better this game than she had the previous game um, for whatever reason, whether that's um as a point to prove because she didn't have the start or because she had a bit of a rest in the first half I don't know but I think um yeah I, I think either way suits me and whichever uh the manager decides is how he wants to start the game is fine if we keep playing like this we can just play however he wants it's fine yeah and I I do just want to call out I thought that Drew's work for the this third goal was very important um because she and grace clinton had this sort of like interplay that was very clever including like some flicks and whatnot and it ultimately resulted in the corner so i thought that was um that was pretty neat and yeah i kind of want to it's hard for me to say without knowing exactly where the other teams in the league are yet because i still feel like things are settling a little bit but I could definitely see scenarios where you'd want to start with Drew and where you'd want to start with Jess and you know we may end up with even more players in the mix um but I think we'll get more of a sense of that as things progress and right now they both seem to be working out in different ways at different times so yeah yeah I think that's when Drew came on she added some control to the center of, of the team and that we we needed that at that point although we were up Aston Villa were strong for a little while and you know maybe you know and I'm also not always thoroughly convinced by her but I do think that she still is just a um, more dominant presence in that position than Grace is yet and so I yeah there's definitely different attributes that they bring and you know Drew has got just like the cleverest of passes when she is on song and it's great to see 
so I guess it is that question of yeah in some ways I almost and this isn't because I don't like Jess because I absolutely love Jess but if I was going to choose the half that I had her on for it might be the second half rather than the first because she just has so much pace and cleverness and that you know but then on the other hand I see you know the idea of Drew kind of closing out a game and that makes sense as well so I don't know um maybe Grace goes off for a half as well sometimes you know I don't think that I think that between the three of them there isn't a lot to say that one is playing consistently better than the other it does seem like at the moment Jess hasn't quite got the 90 in her and so she's less likely to do the full 90. I think for me I kind of prefer having Drew as that like experienced player closing out the game. And I also just think that there are times when she struggles to play a full 90. So perhaps it, it's good to have Grace Clinton, you know, starting and her her youthful enthusiasm kind of carrying her through the majority of the game. But we also have to think about the fact that Kit Graham is another, you know, variable that could come into play. And just like Jess has kind of worked her way into a starting or, or, you know, at least one start so far, that could be the same for Kit if she continues to have positive substitute performances. Uh, but speaking of, Robert did make a few more subs in the closing minutes of the game with Esmita Ale coming on for Angrad in the 85th minute. And then Zhang Linyan made her WSL debut in the first minute of stoppage time, replacing Martha. And, and Kit Graham came on at the same time, subbing on for Grace. So what did y'all make of these cameos, particularly Zhang on her league debut? I think she had like one touch. I, I don't know. So I think 100% pass rate or whatever, it was great, but we didn't see a lot. Um, I thought it was nice for Azmita to come on. Obviously she played at Villa and she was very popular there and she's had good games when we played away there in the past. I didn't think this was her greatest game and I felt like, you know, things felt a little bit sort of slightly chaotic in that last period and leading up to Aston Villa's goal. But, you know, we had chances then as well. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, they didn't get as much time as they've had in previous games to really make an impact, I don't think. And uh, I think at that point, Aston Villa were clawing at everything to try and get something back in the game. So it wasn't an easy place for them to be. Um, but, you know, um, no, no major errors um, from them so all good yeah I think um I was just thinking to myself that I wanted to pass judgment on this one because like like 4-1 up is a really really weird time to, for for like in terms of game state like anything could be happening like Villa could have totally like fallen over and conceded two more or you know they could have done what they did and like been trying to claw everything back so yeah I'm gonna I'm going to pass judgment on that one for now. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Well, just as we have let in a few too many early goals this season, we also continued to struggle with set piece defense and a corner kick was flicked on to the far side of the box. And Becky made a superb save on Corsi's initial header, but could only parry it back into the melee where Lucy Parker stood unmarked for a headed goal. This came in the sixth minute of stoppage time, so it was far too late for Aston Villa to mount an actual comeback and salvage a point, so it only ended up being a consolation goal. Do y'all have any thoughts on that second conceded goal from Spurs? It's very annoying because I nearly got my game prediction right. (laughs) I predicted 4-1, and we were very excited. I was very excited that I was going to be 
geniusly <laughs> genius and predict it and then it went to 4-2 so total failure so I'm very annoyed with Villa for screwing up my goal prediction but other than that I think it's also like it was a you know it's a set piece Robert Villaham after the match even conceded that you know they needed to work on set pieces we need to work on set pieces um sloppy yeah, I would love to know like whether he has any particular plan for working on set pieces. I mean, obviously that's not information he's necessarily going to disclose to us, but like like buddy, come on, are you going to hire a set piece coach or are you going to like use some some sort of well-known playbook? Like we've been, this has been a problem for a while and I kind of just like I feel like I'm going to need more details on that bit, but yeah, he did uh, like he did bring it up, which made me slightly yeah. optimistic. Like he was asked a question, and that was the first thing he said in response to like a bunch of questions about defending. It was like we need to sort out our set pieces; it's not good enough, sort of thing. But and he also just thinking about set pieces the other direction. Well, not quite a set piece, but he did talk about how Ash was doing what he wanted her to do in terms of getting in the position to score a header for that particular. So again, he's obviously working on some of that both in attack and defense but yeah I mean I guess I'll I'll accept that like him mentioning it is much better than uh what was happening before where it was just like we were conceding on set piece after set piece after set piece and nobody was talking about it except for all the fans um which you know is great but not really super effective but Anyway, I had an entire tweet drafted about your 4-1 prediction being correct and, and it ended up not making it out into the daylight. So I was I was annoyed about that as well. But I kind of like there was a reason that tweet was in my drafts and not like out in the universe <laughs> when we immediately went up 4-1 because I just I just had a feeling. I was like, I I don't know. But if you think about it, like if you combine both of our predictions, my two two and your four one, like if we smush that into one, then we got it right. I'll take that. And also it was reminded me of last year when we were away at Brighton and I thought I'd been like amazingly optimistic and said three one. And there was a point I was like, Oh, I got my prediction and then oh no, three nil. And then it was like, oh no, four nil, five nil, and then all the way up to eight nil. So maybe I've just got to be more optimistic more often and good things will happen. Hey, as long as we're getting the win, you know. Uh, but speaking of, this win brings Spurs up to third in the WSL table, just one point below both City and Chelsea, and having scored the highest number of goals in the league, unbelievably, <laughs> after struggling to score at all for most of last season. And actually, Martha now leads the league in goals after her hat trick. Any other thoughts to wrap up this game? I mean, we're above Arsenal. Who thought that was ever going to happen? Um it's just it's just a nice optimistic place to be, isn't it? We we got through Brighton away, we won it, and we've come out the other side and won the next game as well, which I think is important following on from uh, last year's uh, issues. Uh, I just yeah, it's just a really nice place to be, and I don't think we can get carried away because the season is still young, uh, and there's still a lot of games to be played, including the, many of the of the top four sides, uh, and it's still to settle down um, as as we alluded to earlier it's not really doesn't really feel like anything's settled in the league yet and we know what's going on so we've got another couple of big games coming up against the two sides from Liverpool uh that will be really interesting to see how those pan out and then we get the tough stuff coming so it's um yeah it's all it's all good and you know as I've said before I think it's about the way we're playing not so much not necessarily about results uh but 
it sure is nice to be getting the results as well. Yeah, it's funny. I was just going to say I find myself wanting to use like Villaham's own criteria for measuring our success at this moment, which is like instilling identity and um, working on basics. And I can't find fault with any of that right now. Suddenly I'm looking at a team that has come from behind twice um, against, you know, teams that we very much could have caved to last year and at times did. I am seeing a team that is like first to every ball looks so fit and is not only that, but is making decisions super quickly and seems to always have a plan. Um, So it's like not only are the feet quick and the legs are quick, but the brains are quick. And I am like a team that's always looking for the next pass, passing forward, moving to get open for their teammates. And I just think that that is such a huge difference in such a short amount of time. And I know we mentioned this last week, the schedule has obviously been somewhat favorable for instilling those things. And it's going to pick up when we get back. But in terms of a place to be before all that, I really don't think that you or any of us or Villaham could ask for more. It's incredible. Yeah, it's it's amazing, isn't it? Like, as you said, it's it's that we've come from behind twice, that we've won away twice in two weeks, having not done either of those things for, I don't know, a season, two seasons. It's just for ages. Um, and it's so fun to watch them. And, you know, you we spent all of last season going, we want there to be a plan. And there's a plan. It's such a clear plan. And we said we want them to pass and they can pass. It's who knew that all these players who last season just seemed to wander around like they'd never met each other before actually knew each other and knew where each other could be. And yeah, it's so great to watch that kind of progressive football. I mean, we can still nitpick. I still think that we are not creating as many clear cut chances as we should do. And, you know, obviously at the end that, you know, Aston Villa were playing in a very different way when they go three, one down, things changed and there was easier. There was, you know, it, the game opened up a lot. But, you know, in that first half, it was still tricky. And, you know, there might be games where we don't get the run of the ball. And But one of the things I really like is that in all of his responses and whenever he talks about this, Robert Wilhelm is constantly saying we are going to lose games. And like he is, I love the fact that he's saying that. And, you know, OK, that seems silly but like you need that that awareness to be there so that at the point at which we do lose a game which we will at some point you don't suddenly collapse and that you keep playing that way and that you can um recognize that it will still produce chances in the long run and so there are definitely things to work on set pieces you know getting creating chances closer to the goal we're still taking too many outside shots too many you know low percentage shots but we're making them at the moment so screw it yeah, and I think um, your last point was a really good one, like, about, like, I, I like that he's saying we will lose games, and the fact that we are responding well to going behind now gives me a lot of confidence that when we do lose games, we will also respond well to that. Exactly, and the fact that we are picking up points in the games where we can now is also, I think, super important. And, you know, none of us would say that the season has been perfect so far, but at least it looks like we have an actual identity as a team, which is really refreshing. And, you know, I think we have a chance to pick up some momentum across even the next few fixtures. But I just keep comparing it to last season where we had some decent results at the beginning, but none of it really felt sustainable because of the way we were actually performing 
So this has just been a, a really welcome change this year. But let's take a look elsewhere in the WSL and just do a quick roundup of how the other teams in the league did this past weekend. Let's just touch real quick again on our opponent from our last match. So Aston Villa were pegged to be the best of the rest in the WSL this season by a lot of pundits and also this podcast, to be totally fair. I won't ask if we're ready to amend our predictions just yet, but seriously, what is going on with Villa? Do we have any ideas? So immediately after the game, Carla Wood was asked specifically about why Rachel Daly wasn't scoring, and she just said her partner isn't there, as in Kenza Daly. Um, And so she directly identified Kenza Daly and Kirsty Hansen's absence as being the kind of key to that. But also a bit later, she was asked about what was going on with the defence and she got very defensive about the defence, just to say something in a terrible way. But and started talking about defending from the like, you know, that the whole team has to defend. And so there's clearly some tension there around the different roles that different people are taking and how the midfield is covering and what's going on. Obviously, she doesn't want to just chuck her defenders, you know, in the trash and it wasn't it wasn't all that and they they played well as well actually earlier I realized I'd said that um Sanifus did something and it was actually Turner so again you know there were de- defenders who were playing well going forward but they clearly just don't have the depth of players and they haven't got a player who replicates what Kenza Dali was doing yeah I was just listening to you say that thinking it sounds really familiar a fifth place team getting some injuries to key players at the beginning of the season when expectations are high and suddenly all your summer transfer business is maybe not looking as good as you thought it was because you didn't reinforce in areas where you kind of needed reinforcement and you've got a bunch of new players and you're trying to get them to, you know, like do that thing where you're swinging the jump rope and everyone has to come jump in and start jumping over it when it's already going. Um, I did not nail that metaphor, but Yeah, it's like, it's interesting. It's like all eyes on Carla Ward because this is the thing that happens to every coach and it's it's seeming like their defense has been found out this season. Every coach gets found out, will get found out. And I think it's like, it makes me think like one of the things people say is so impressive about Pep Guardiola is that like his team keeps evolving and the way it is, is like brilliant every time. And now it's like all eyes on Carla Ward to see how this Villa team will evolve. Um, But yeah, I think in general, my take is like, these are all normal things that are happening. And like, it's really a test of like, you know, the the team set up and Carla Ward as a manager and how resilient they can be from this bad start. Yeah. I mean, I think Carla Ward herself said in her post-match interview to to Villa, whatever it is, um, that, um, you know, it's on her now to, to turn it around and to work out what's going on, to change it up. And I think this is where we found last season, Rianne was found wanting, you know, she didn't know how to change it up, what she didn't know how, she didn't have another option. Um, So will Carla Ward do that? And I think um, following on from the, from what happens in the Premier League, there have already been questions asked directly to Carla Ward, I believe, about whether her job's in danger. And I certainly don't think it is at this point in time. The question is, you know, what is she going to do to turn it around? And, if she can't turn it around by the new year, then obviously things will be different. But for now, I think there's no reason to suggest she can't turn it around. It's just she's she's 
in a situation which she didn't think she would be in. And she's got to find some answers pretty quickly to how to, to make her team more successful because they have been very unsuccessful so far and they've not got an easy game next. I think they've got Chelsea next. So it's not going to be easy for them in the next game either. And I don't think they've had an easy schedule to begin with, you know, if we're being totally fair, like, and I'm including ourselves in that, obviously. Um, but really the only game that they they should have felt fairly comfortable about winning would have been the Liverpool. And, you know, other than that, they've had really tough teams. And like you said, they've got Chelsea up next, so that doesn't look good. But then they have a few games that suddenly are like must wins, I think, if they're going to really get their season back on track. I thought they showed a lot of potential. It wasn't that like they were terrible in this game until we really scored the third and at that point it felt like they fell apart a little bit but then what happens in that is that a game opens up doesn't it so it is harder but you know if Ebony Salmon was a little bit tighter she had some great chances to score and she just didn't take those and they were getting past us and into good positions and probably had better chances in the first half than we did we just took ours better. Yeah, and it while you were saying that, it, it does kind of remind me of, of us a little bit last year as well because, like, I know on this pod we were saying that there was a lot of promising stuff in our play last fall, even though it wasn't quite coming together. And, and it's just, like, one of those things where you have injuries to key players, but also some of your standbys are, like, a little bit worse. Like, Rachel Corsi, um, you know, she's 34 I think it's possible she's lost a step. She was like really targeted in this game. And I think it's just like some of those little details when you come down to it, it's like everything could look like it's coming together, but with the WSL changing so quickly and things within your own team changing so quickly, sometimes, sometimes that's just not enough. Like it almost wasn't for us and it probably will be enough for Aston Villa, but, but it remains to be seen. I love how you're doing like Villarus last season Spurs. And then I think like we I'm gonna make an argument later that West Ham are the season before Spurs. And so we can just like we can well, replicating. Yeah, let's let's talk about some of those other results. I'll just run through them real quick and we can pick out the storylines we want to touch on. So we also had Leicester City fell one goal to nil. They were hosting Man City, so City won that game. Chelsea beat Brighton 4-2 at home. West Ham had a 1-1 draw with Liverpool at home. Bristol City fell 2-1 to to Arsenal at home. And our next opponent after this upcoming break is going to be Everton, and they were hosting United and lost 5-0. So what stood out to y'all from those fixtures? I guess just to follow up my point about West Ham, Rianne Skinner, this this the game before against Chelsea, they actually looked quite lively, but this game they just really looked like 21-22 Spurs, in that they were, you know, back to the wall and then made something happen that was totally messy in the last minute. And yeah, you know, defended collectively. Their keeper had a great game. I can see sort of Rianne Skinner's prints on this West Ham now very clearly. I thought the uh, the Leicester result was interesting because they've had such a good start to the season. Yes, they lost to Manchester City, but it was only by one goal. And Manchester City have been, you know, the the best team probably so far this season. So that 
I think was really good news for Leicester again. And then also looking ahead to our next game, looking at Everton, who had beaten Liverpool, who started the season really well uh, and then went and lost heavily. So I think um, maybe the lack of the Merseyside derby um, means that you know they've gone back to what they were uh, in the first couple of games of the season, not doing very well. And uh, we should certainly be hoping for a better result in that game than we had in the minus six degrees of last season. I guess we should say something exciting, you know, positive about Rachel Williams doing amazing things for Manchester United. I mean, I'd rather she wasn't doing them for Manchester United, but it is, you know, I still love watching her play football. And it, she has the most goals per minute of anyone in the WSL since she's been coming. I think she's played like, I worked at something 92 minutes officially, and she has three goals uh, just because those have come in her substitute appearances. And, and also, I guess the other thing that was noticeable is that Arsenal almost didn't beat the Bre- Bristol. So it makes our our win over Bristol look much more impressive or Arsenal look much less impressive. And they were massively reliant on uh, Katie McKay. Yeah, I've heard a couple of people say that about that result and the Villa result uh, on Twitter. Not Spurs fans, like other fans being like, oh, no, like. Spurs beat these teams more easily than we did. Like, should we be concerned about Arsenal? I don't know. I don't know. I have to shoehorn in my Arsenal and fifth prediction somewhere in this episode. So there it is. I have to ask if y'all have any feelings on Mark Skinner's comments about the whole Champions League format. Um, Because they did bounce back after getting knocked out of the Champions League, but... I, I think there's there was some uh, unhappiness around his comments around kind of the whole women's football uh, fandom. Yes, and I think uh, he then made it worse by saying his words had been misinterpreted or twisted or something, which they clearly hadn't been. It was clearly a, a question that he was asked that wasn't directly related to that, and he'd made it about that and made it very clear that that is feelings. Um, I, I think like most people around the women's game, um, we think he's got a bit of cheek, really, for... Um, that kind of comment when his club have only been in existence for five years, <laughs> when it's their first season in the Champions League. And you would expect if you've not played in the Champions League before, well, whoever you are, you start at the bottom of the ladder. You know, it's a new ladder to climb. So whilst, yes, there probably are issues around the Champions League in terms of the, the quality across Europe and how that plays out, um, I think it's a bit it's not right that he's making them in that he's making those comments in that environment because it basically sounds like sour grapes and you know he's not got the right to be making those kind of comments from the perspective of most of us right and i mean psg didn't make any excuses they just got the job done so it's never a good thing when i have to agree with jonas eidoval um cuz he was pretty you know i think strident in his response by saying that arsenal deserved to lose because they you know they didn't, I guess, take their opponent as seriously as they should have. So good I'm for him. I'm always happy to agree with Jonas Eideville when he says Arsenal deserve to lose. Let's just have that. As okay, like that's true. Fun. We can agree on that only ever. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's look ahead. I know it's going to be a while before we actually play this game because of the international break. But coming up on November 5th, we're going to be taking on Everton at home at Brisbane Road. They followed up. Uh, their hard-fought Merseyside Derby win with that lopsided loss to United. And this season, they are without Gabby George after she transferred to United um, and unfortunately tore her ACL, which was pretty sad. 
Um, and they also don't have their exciting lone players from last season, Jess Park and Gio Quiros. And they've only scored two goals so far in the league, both of them by Megan Finnegan, which is pretty wild to me. So I feel like we have to be feeling kind of optimistic about this game, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, like I say, you know, um, with the exception of the Merseyside derby, which obviously has different resonance for them, they haven't played well this season. We did say at the beginning of the season, we thought they were going to struggle with the issues going on at Everton. And uh, obviously those are continuing. And with the sad loss of Bill Kemright this week, um, I don't, you know, they're going to continue at Everton to, to find themselves in difficulties, I think, just in the club as a whole. Uh, and whilst I think there were some people suggesting that Everton would do better this season, yeah, they have, they've lost three key players uh, and they're not, you know, they've not had to replace them. It's a sad situation because Everton were a few seasons ago, a re- you know, one of the up and coming sides, one of the really good sides. Um so I do think we've got to be optimistic and we've got to go out there and play our best football and expect to come away with three points. It's interesting looking at their, their schedule so far. It's been, uh, so yeah, City, Brighton, Leicester, City again in the Cup, Liverpool, who they only beat by one goal, and then United. And I find myself thinking like, wow, that's not an easy schedule, but it's also like it's more than half the other teams. And that leaves them still with us, Chelsea, Villa, West Ham, Arsenal. It's like, it just makes me think much like us last year, the WSL is increasing in quality at such a rapid rate. If you stand still like that, you are going to get overrun. And, you know, last year it would have been crazy to think or even the year, well, actually not the year before, they were bad the year before, but last year it would have been pretty crazy to think of Everton like losing to some of these teams, and, and this year it's not. And so I think in terms of our game, it's just let's see whether we've overrun them or not. And like I personally feel like we have evidence that we have, but yeah, it's just crazy how fast these things move. Yeah, it definitely feels like a game we should win if there's some sort of like footballing logic. Doesn't mean we will, but if we're going to feel as, you know, it's hopefully we are going to start developing a home advantage. We haven't had a lot of home games yet, but, you know, if we start getting that, it will be, yeah, I'm as optimistic as I can be, I guess, about the teams that we are likely to be playing. Same, yeah. Are there any changes that we want to see to the lineup or any Everton players that we should particularly look out for? Well, if Megan Finnegan's the only one who's scoring, I guess Megan Finnegan. And I think, as we've said, um, in terms of our lineup, we trust Robert to make those choices and to, to you know, put out a team that's that's going to be at the best. So hopefully everybody comes through international duty um, unscathed. And he's got no injury problems to worry about. And he's got that full complement of players again. Um, and it looks like Ellie Brazil is, you know, coming back as well. So so at the moment, touch wood, one player missing. Uh, so lots of opportunity. Yeah, usually when I look at Everton's lineup, the ones I'm looking at are like Hannah Benison, um, Snowy, and, oh, our old nemesis uh, Van Habermat is there now, so she probably will put a header past us. But, you know, I'm confident we can score at least one more goal than that. So there's that. Yeah, it'll be a header from a set piece, I'm sure. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I had her from a, and Aurora Gali is there as well. Uh, that's, that's someone to look out for, but I just like, I haven't been watching Everton, but I, I haven't heard any of these people mentioned at all on Twitter or anything like that. And usually it's like, usually they're lighting stuff up. So I don't know. I don't really know what's not coming together for them right now. Yeah, I keep expecting Hannah Benison to really have her breakout in the WSL because I think she is a really talented player. But I, I have heard some people kind of talking about Martina Pimonte. I don't know if I'm saying that right. She's an Italian striker. So um, true. One of my we, friends is, is uh, a big Italy and, and Roma fan. And yeah, that's come up a few times. All right, let me get some score predictions. I'm going 3-0, a reversal of last season. To us, obviously. Well, we do seem to like to uh, concede early on, so uh, 3-1. I'm feeling a nice routine 2-0 win. Oh, wait, I forgot about Van Havermaet's header. 2-1 win. Uh, I I really would love to see Becky get a clean sheet, so I'm going to be optimistic and say 2-0. Feels good to me. All right, well, for our last segment, we're going to switch things up a little this week. Because instead of soliciting questions from our listeners for us to answer ourselves, we decided to ask all of you a question instead. We asked which player had impressed you most this season so far and got some excellent answers with a lot of variety. Uh, As could probably have been expected, many of you slightly cheated by providing more than one name. But since the vibes have been so good lately, it would be rude of us not to allow some spreading of the love. So we will let it slide. Uh, So here's a sampling of the answers that we got. First one is from Nick. He said, Olga Martha is the obvious answer as she has been superb, but I've been very impressed with Olga's all around play, which I think has been crucial to the way we are playing vision, range of passing with both feet, work ethic. I think I love her as much as Robert loves Grace. (laughs) Definitely true. Um, Nigel suggested Martha Thomas because she has stepped into Beth's shoes, so to speak, and delivered every game. Can't argue with that one. Uh, David P. said, and grad James, he said, I finally feel like we're seeing the player that we expected last summer. The high pressing system relieves the defensive pressure and frees her up to make passes. She's been solid at left back. I think he meant right back. Last season, she just got swarmed by opponents with no outlet. I've been absolutely awed by Beth England, even while injured. The leadership she shows, always turning up and being the team's biggest supporter. I've been so impressed by. Yes, that has been beautiful. Uh, Harsh suggested Luana Buller for how seamlessly she has settled as a starter. Angerad for having to change her game. Olga for being effortlessly brilliant. Martha for tirelessly pressing all game. Uh, But he's the most surprised by Grace. He said, I didn't expect her to have this big of an impact from the get-go. And I probably would agree with that too. Uh, Rihanna suggested Becky. She said her resilience is so, so admirable. She's taken this World Cup experience into her stride and really shown for us. I really don't think we're going to have a split keeper situation this season. Her consistency is so reassuring. Uh, yes, it's it's not been looking great for Barbara getting minutes, um, but kudos to Becky. And I just, just wanted to jump yeah. in there because uh, there was this thing about whether Leipzig is the best keeper in the league that we were going to get into. We didn't. But actually, statistically, so far this season, Becky is, which, you know, hats off to her because that is definitely not been the case for the last few seasons so she really has stepped it up sorry interrupting what our listeners are thinking no that's a good interruption I'm always here for Becky praise (laughs) 
then we also had Clara, uh, which was submitted to us by way of Taylor. And she said, Jess Naz, she seems to be less timid and more willing to put herself in positions that benefit us. Yes, Jess is having a nice breakout season so far. Uh, Lauren suggested Luana Buller as well. She said, new addition into the back line and her calmness on the ball has transformed our ability to play out from the back and control possession and build up play. Also has been very solid defensively, which is her primary job. Good point. David W. said, maybe too easy, but Martha Thomas. Don't think anyone expected Beth England slash Erling Holland numbers from her. Less obvious, Olga Atanen has quietly established a very solid midfield heart with her compatriot. Yes, I love to see Martha getting compared to Erling Holland. <laughs> Sean said, the obvious answer is Martha Thomas, but for me, it's got to be Evelina Simonen. At the heart of our midfield, whether attack or defense, and that free kick from the edge of the box. Hashtag top bins. Definitely a highlight from the season so far. Spiggy also suggested Martha, and he gave us a little chant. Defense is terrified. Martha's on fire. The mysteriously named Spurs fan just said, Olga, she's in a new league without a summer break and even against Chelsea was dictating play, telling others where to go and what passes to make a privilege to watch her. Indeed. And we had a wild card answer from Gary. He said his personal faves have been Olga and then Grace, but so many have done well that maybe the answer should be Robert. An intriguing thought. <laughs> Technically not a player, though. But honestly, you guys are all correct. I think everybody deserves a lot of credit and praise for the way they've started this season. Do y'all have any suggestions of your own to add? I mean, I think like from from what we've seen, the, there isn't really one answer, is there? It's just that everybody stepped up and played better. I mean, I think you can't, uh, as everybody said, Martha is the obvious answer and she's playing out of her skin and scoring great numbers of goals, but she wouldn't be doing that without what's going on behind us. So I think it's, uh, I think, I think the answer is everybody really has surprised us. There's nobody in the team who hasn't stepped up and, and delivered. Yeah. Cause it is that thing, isn't it? There are people who have impressed us who have continued to impress us. So like Ash and Molly, I wasn't surprised that they've impressed us, but they continue to. And then you've got those players who have surprised us. Like I definitely did not think Martha was going to be doing what she's doing. And I did not think Jess was going to be on the form she is this season. And I didn't think Becky was going to be like sustaining that, the keeping that she had in the World Cup. But then at the same time, if you ask me who was like the most just overall generally impressive, then maybe I'd be saying Olga and Evelina because I just feel like they're at the heart of everything. Um, so there's this difference, isn't there? Like expectation, surprise, just who's doing what? Um, yeah. Yeah, perhaps who was the biggest surprise might have been the better question because I think there there have been a lot of really good positive surprises all across the squad. Well, that is it for today. Thank you, as always, for listening, commenting, and subscribing. You can find us on Twitter at N17Women and on all the usual podcast platforms. Enjoy the international break and come on you Spurs.